0: Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren like Okay, so what do we got going on? Okay, I have a, um, not a funny story. Okay, it starts serious, but like everything ends up fine in the end. Okay, so uh, the other night we're playing Sorry as a family, which is actually one of my favorite board games, and uh, we hear this big, loud crash, and what the hell is that? I'm like, Kirby, go, go check. So he goes outside. And um, I keep playing sorry. And I noticed a couple minutes later, like, oh, he never came back in. So I go outside and I see uh, he calls like, Lauren, come here. And there was a crash on our street. So we had a bunch of hail that came through our town um, in June. And there's a bunch of roofs getting redone from hail damage. And so there was this big construction uh, like trailer for garbage, garbage thingy uh, parked on our street. And this car had hit it. And so I come running up and I can see right away that like, so Kirby's on the phone with 911 and I can, and Kirby says like the driver's having a seizure or is passed out or something. And I'm like, ah, shit. So there's a girl so that you, I can tell her, I'll tell you what happens. All right. So I haven't had CPR training in like one year and what's the minimum two years, like one year and 11 months. So I'm like, oh, damn it. Okay. So there's, they're both teenagers. The girl in the passenger um, seat is crying, but conscious. Somebody else um, had already, like, lowered him, the driver, back. So he's lying, he's still in the car seat, but like kind of lying flat. And so I go up and, you know, I'm like, is he breathing? Like, and the person is like, yep, he's breathing. And I'm like, okay going through my head, I'm like, oh what and I'm like, oh, stabilize stabilize his head, right? Like this is what we're supposed to do. Um you're not supposed to move him, but he break something? Okay. So then this other like people are starting to come in the neighborhood. And so this new guy comes, and um he's like telling this is all like ten seconds. And he's telling the person who I just said to like stabilize the head, like to stabilize the head slightly differently. And I don't I, whatever. I thought she was doing a fine job. And she goes, yeah, I know, I'm a nurse. And he goes, well, I'm an EMT. And I go, well, I'm officially stepping away from the situation, you guys seem like you have it in hand. And uh, by the way, so the kid, okay, so I ran inside. At this point, now by the time I'm running inside, ambulances, police, fire trucks, all coming. And Kirby's like, you know, still talking to 911. I go inside to let our girls know like, hey, just stay inside. It's okay. Everybody's okay. Um, And grab shoes for Kirby. By the time I come out, the driver is running around the car from the policeman. <laughs> like, and the policeman's like, Trey, you don't want to do this, buddy. And I'm just like, so I get up to Kirby and he's like, the police officer recognized Trey right away. Um, and Trey is now seemingly fine. So, anyways, uh, the point is don't do drugs, kids, um, and drive down a street where you can't see trailers. No, the real point is I used to, like, I graduated chiropractic school when I was 24. And I feel like I had this, like, chip on my shoulder of, like, I'm a real doctor. And now like over time it's just kind of one of those things where like it used to be if somebody got hurt while Kirby was playing baseball and they like went down I would be like I am like gonna handle this and I will be so significant and people will see how good I am at being a chiropractic doctor um and now I'm like oh good a nurse is here thank god because I don't deal with this shit like knock on wood. This is fake wood I'm knocking on. But like, I have had one kiddo pass out in our clinic. And it was like, when this gr- this school group came to like shadow the office and this kid watched me adjust another, ki- another person, like a patient and um he passed out. And so like, but other than that, I have not had to deal with CPR or like emergency situations. And like, I've done the CPR training, obviously, but I'm still just like, Ugh. these people, these nurses, these EMTs, like, yes, you are here. And I am so thankful that you're here. Um, Here's my card. If he hurt his neck and needs a chiropractor on Monday, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I don't have business cards, uh, nor is that my ideal demographic. Trey, not judging, just saying I don't do car accidents. All right. Um, what else is new? Uh, I finished my speech for so next weekend. If you are listening to this impromptu time, good job. Proud of you for being uh, Johnny on the spot. I am speaking at the WDC and they told me like a year, year and a half ago, a year ago, like, yep, I'll, I'll speak. And they're like, all right, we want you to speak on becoming a chiropreneur. And I'm like, hell yeah, I can talk about that. And so I'm like, a couple weeks ago, no, oh, it was like, I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? Because like I can talk about a lot of things for a long time, very well. Uh, this is a skill I have that I have developed as a podcaster. The fact that I'm a verbal processor and I have lots of opinions and it takes me a long time to tell a story, all does well with this. So I'm not worried about being able to get up there and give an hour, but in an ideal world, it would be... Um, It would flow well, and there would be really strong takeaways. So I'm like, okay, it's starting to like put pieces together. And I'm like, ah. So guess what, guys? Good news. I finished it today. I have a solid like 12 days to practice this thing, which I've learned you can't really practice an hour-long speech. That's what's hard. If I was doing a TED Talk and I've done like TED Talk style speeches before, I practice those so much more than an hour-long speech. Because, oh, there's just no way. I'm such a fluid speaker. I don't know if that's really what we would call it. ADHD speaker? I feel called in the moment to say something. Like, I am in alignment with what God wants to flow through me and out of me in a speech and so that's all just to say i say all sorts of stuff in my speeches that i wasn't planning on the longer they are so i have you know powerpoints there's 20 slides to my powerpoint which helps keep me on track like who one day if i am uh give a speech for an hour and i'm one of those speakers that only has like three or four powerpoints i'm proud of me i'm proud of me but i don't know if that's really in my future due to the nature of me going down rabbit holes. I'm like, someone, someone or something has got to keep me on track so the audience gets what they came for. But it's done and it's really good. Like there was this moment an hour ago where I'm like, damn, Gina, this is gonna be a good speech. I am proud of me. So that's that's all of my updates. Um, so today's speaker, oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm not gonna give you the whole backstory, but. Over a year ago, when I went to Mile High, um, I met Amy Haas. Uh, Her and I were introduced through some friends of mine, Dr. Mo and Tamara, who I will be seeing at the WDC. And um, I was like, they were like, you have to go on Lauren's podcast. And I was like, yeah. So we tried arranging something. It did not work out a year ago, over maybe a year plus. And so I reached out recently and was like, how's that timing? And she's like, listen, I'm not doing podcast episodes right now, but you've been so patient that I will do yours. So we're very, we're, we're blessed um, that she was willing to come on and be a guest. Girlfriend is hilarious. This is the second researcher that I've had on the podcast. And like these researchers do not have the personality that you would think. So like getting this woman to give me A bio was like pulling teeth. It was hilarious. She's like, no, let's break the mold. My bio is boring. I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, listen, Amy, people are going to have questions about you. Uh, So here's what I can tell you. She loves um, puzzles and to her chiropractic is a puzzle. So research is about finding the pieces of the puzzle and fitting them together. And she's been involved in various forms of formal research since she was a sophomore in college. She has so many degrees past her name. It's incredible. Um, and one of her most important identity features is that she is a dog mom. So we're gonna talk about some really interesting thing. This is, um, this is an intense one. If you listen to episodes on hyperspeed, I don't know that I would do that on this one because I mean, you do you girl or boy, but like the, if you remember the Heidi Horvick episode, this is like that. It, there's a lot of big words. I ask some very stupid questions on your behalf. You're welcome. Uh, but even if you are not a chiropractor, I think that this is a fascinating topic that, I mean, I find it fascinating and I'm not even into research. So I think it's worth, I think it's worth a listen. Even if you're not a chiropractor, if you are a chiropractor, absolutely worth a listen and make sure you share this with other chiropractors because I would, this is a message that needs to get out this research that she is working on and like, it's this three and a half years uh, that is coming, not to a closing. It's kind of like a commencement is probably a better word for what's going on, but like, whoo, there's cool ass things coming down the pipe for the chiropractic profession, especially those of us that like to capitalize the last three letters of chiropractor. What, what what does it mean again? Teachers of reality? What What is the tick? Teachers of innate chiropractic. That's the tick, right? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because you probably went to the same school I did and you're like, I don't know. We never capitalized tick or tour it's what the subluxation based doctors do. I'm trying to learn and keep up at a frantic pace. So, take a breath. Connect with ourselves. Let's make sure that brain is on today. This is a this is not a passive episode. This is an episode where I want your brain just open like a sponge to just absorb just absorb what She's going to be talking about some of us are really into research and some of us are not so much, and that's okay. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is like anything that we can pick up and use in conversations with our colleagues, with other healthcare professionals, just even honestly being aware of where the profession is going, like that's important. This is important for you to know, where's this profession leading 10 20 30 years from now what is that going to mean for me what kind of a legacy will i be able to live with my or lead with my practice these are important conversations and i am honored to be able to hold this space for amy i do very little talking she does a lot of explaining which is fantastic uh, because we don't get a lot of researchers you know behind out of their lab so i am grateful for this conversation with amy I want you all to imagine just sending her so much love and light towards the research that she is doing as well as the other researchers that she brings up. And if you find it in yourself to support the research in any aspect, $10 a month, Um, towards the end, she will mention a link and we'll have that below in the show notes for you. Um, Anything can help. For those of us that are not into research, even more so reason to be putting your dollars towards other people who are, because we are all going to benefit from it. Uh, in your name we pray. That no, wasn't really a prayer to God. He was listening. He's always listening. Okay, people, without further ado, here is my episode with Dr. Amy Haas. Enjoy. I want to start. Well, okay, actually I have, I have one dump co- in the little teeny two sentence bio you gave me, you gave me, there was some like, ryt 200 was listed after your credentials what the hell is that are you part robot that's what that's my first question are you part robot what is what is that i am
1: three quarters robot um i am artificial intelligence (laughs) um no actually it's kind of a little inside joke that has a little bit to do with uh people's tendency to want to, you know, talk about all the letters after my name. Amy's is this not the other thing? Well, you know, Amy's RYT 200. Do you know what that means? And most people won't. It's my little sneaky. So it's something that I value that many other people won't value. And some people will say it doesn't belong after the accolades of MS, PhD, DC, whatever the crap, right? Registered yoga teacher, thank you.
0: Oh, I love that i love that yeah and i can see what you're saying where you're like people would be like oh well but like you're like that's this is a part of my of who i am
1: and it's i actually i actually put that up there in equal importance because that was an entire exploration and accomplishment unto itself that you know some people yeah it's it's so when people are looking at about alphabet soup yeah I'm a yoga I'm yoga instructor too. I all am right. not. I'm going to
0: come back. I want to, towards the end, I'm going to come back to the yoga aspect because I know there's so much, it's more than breath work. It's more than breath work. Like it's a spiritual practice and I want to hear, but mm-hmm. in my head, you, all right. So the person who loves lab work, and this is the narrative that like I've created, In just loves research, would kind of hate the part of having to share the like, no, 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 public, like publicize the research, of course, but like have to go on stages. You said you're going on stage next week, right? Where are you going on stage next week?
1: I'm going to be on Mile High, and it's. I'm completely stoked. I agreed to do, uh, two things this year and you're right. I don't want to be on stage. I'm um, I do see the necessity at times, but that's not my forte where people want me is I'm actually on my couch right now. This is where people want me because this is where I do the thinking that will benefit all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not a spokesperson. I, as, uh, Brooke Mills put it beautifully the other day, she's like, you're, uh, Happy to do the grunt work behind the scenes. Yes, actually, actually, yes. I'm very happy to let other people talk about things, but I do recognize some people do want to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak.
0: Right. So it doesn't bother you, somebody else going on stage and talking about your research? No, go for it, please. Oh, we have such different personalities. Can I be that old. person? I'm happy Can enough. I go on stage for you and be like, That's people me, of you. chiropractic? Thank you. Amy has done something amazing, and you will all applaud me now. (laughs) Well, um, my friend, Jeannie Angola, I'm
1: actually going to be giving her a bunch of stuff that she can actually go do that. Uh, She's kind of up and coming in the speaker world, and she has a great way of explaining science and just connecting with people, and I I actually want her to uh, go out and talk about a lot of this stuff, too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you have been working on something for the last three and a half years, you said, that is, like, coming to conclusion? Yeah. So is it like I mean just starting basically, but yeah. Talk to me about the last three and a half years.
1: Um three and a half years sounds like a long time. And I get that to write a paper. Totally get that. The way writing goes, it's never linear. Sort of like healing. It's never as linear as you think it's gonna be. You could go in one direction and be like, uh oh, okay, gotta, gotta redirect. So in the course of this, and I know this from my PhD you go so far you hit a dead end you regroup and you say okay start over and sometimes you do that a couple of times until the final product emerges and i actually that's a great way to put it the final product emergence emerges i'm not necessarily in control of that it's an artistic process I had an idea for where I wanted this to go and why I wanted it to go in this particular direction, but how to get that to gel and coalesce was a really difficult project and problem. So uh, the three and a half years, there was a lot of that where I was fighting with the material. And I say that literally fighting. I had to do a lot of quiet, deep thinking. Some of the best thinking that, that went into this paper was actually in my little trailer you know i have my little uh, my little um barefoot trailer i was on the coast of maine at a place called wolf's neck and i was finally able to put everything from the practice aside i was finished you know i had just done sherman um, which was the other thing that I've, I've talked this year and um so i was still trying to there was a couple of concepts that i was uh getting to mesh and i sat there Uh, with my two dogs and all of a sudden my brain was able to get very quiet and what emerged was actually better than I had even conceived of so there's a creativity there's a downloading that happens here and I kind of joke that um, do you remember uh, Dave Russell he was uh, a chiropractic researcher no. He uh, exited stage left a couple of years ago. He was a friend of mine and I respected him and appreciated him so much. Um, so sometimes I feel like when I get these downloads, it's actually uh, Dave saying, Amy, Amy, <laughs> we had some interesting conversations where he would smack me upside the head and be like, have you thought about this? In his, you know, uh, 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 Australian accent as it is. So this came to me as I was on the coast of Maine, and all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is how the three complete story arcs fit together in a cohesive whole. So if I were to go back and say, why did I do this? At the beginning of the pandemic, we got beat up pretty good as a profession. And unfortunately, a lot of that beating centered around a particular word and claim that some people made in all good intentions, and I get that. And that word was "boost." So let me take a minute and explain what I knew then, what I knew now, what I know now, and how we can move forward from that. From a philosophical standpoint, from straight chiropractic philosophy, we don't boost anything.
0: Oh, shit. Okay. I'll stop saying it. Was that? I said, okay, I'll stop saying that. (laughs) You're all
1: good. and, And people really needed to think about that. Before they use the word, sure, it's a good slogan, It boosts immunity, right? But is it true? Is it defensible? Is it consistent with our philosophy? And actually the answer to those was unfortunately on really deeper consideration. No, which leaves us in a different place. How do we better express what it is that we do for human adaptability with immunity as a subset of human adaptability? Rather than narrowing our focus and say, we work on the immune system. And this is, uh, that brings, my perspective is coming from watching chiropractic research and other associated fields for the past, you know, 20 years or so. We don't impact just immunity. We clearly impact the nervous system. The nervous system clearly impacts everything else, but there's more than that the nervous system is intricately tied to the endocrine system, hormone system, and the immune system, and the microbiome. A lot of those connections are mediated by, what's my favorite cranial nerve? Vegas. Vegas, because <laughs> what happens in Vegas shouldn't stay there. Um, so these three systems for, with the microbiome, are connected by chemical mediators called uh, cytokines, and interferons and interleukins that are shared between those those three systems such that an impact on one system would be expected to elicit a coordinated response from the other system. It's like a three-legged stool. You cannot impact one in isolation and expect that to have no impact on the other. So in short, we missed the ball, but we weren't prepared at the time to make the statements that I hope I am positioning us to make going forward. At the time, we were narrow-focused on immunity. The real picture should have been, how do we impact adaptability within the neuroendocrine immune super system? In other words, we
0: needed to think much bigger. So when you we said need- the three story arcs, is that what you were talking about, Neuro endocrine immune? No. Okay. We'll come That's back. One of the I, story- I wrote it down. We'll come back.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the story arcs, but that had to be taken in context of two other story arcs. One, we all know there's a, a you and I know there's a, a world of difference between spinal manipulation and chiropractic adjustment. The problem with that is when things get into the research literature, they are often labeled spinal manipulation, whether they are adjustment or not. So those terms are commingled, and that's and spinal
0: of- manipulation is just like a broad mobilization to a region. Like I picture a physical therapist just like or just like a kid walking on their dad's back. Like that's the spinal yeah. manipulation, right? Yeah.
1: I would say I would say yes, but there's uh, there's a point in the literature that we need to be aware of. Some people can be fairly specific with their spinal manipulation. Let me repeat that. Some people can be fairly specific with their spinal manipulation. Let's say T5, looking at a blood pressure outcome, right? So here's the thing, if they're being specific, what's the difference between a manipulation and an adjustment, right? You're gonna tell me, right? Oh, I almost swore, can I swear? Oh, you can
0: definitely swear.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. So this ah. is what came to me in um, when, I, when I was just like very quiet. All of a sudden, I'm like, it's the simplest truth. It's not the level. It is the functional condition of the level.
0: Functional. Okay. Uh, can you explain that?
1: Yep. It, okay. The level is unimportant. The subluxation is what's important. You can bang on T5 until the cows come home, and if it isn't subluxated, you're not going to elicit a response. Got it. So sure, you can manip- manip- manipulate T5, absolutely, but is it subluxated?
0: Why the hell aren't schools teaching? So I, I, I'm I, going to tell you because of the entire audience. So, so I went to Northwestern in Minneapolis, okay. and about four years into practice, I was like, all right, I think I need to start using the S word because like, and like, I remember because I was like incorporating, I was going to start talking about the nervous system and I needed to start talking about subluxation, but I just felt like such a phony saying it because like, sorry to Northwestern, hopefully they've changed. But like, there was no, my memory is there was not teaching how to identify is that a subluxation? We were taught to find uh, manipulable. Le- m- manipulatable. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what are the differences between a unsubluxated T5 and a subluxated T5? That's where the research comes in. And it's actually uh, many investigators, including Dave Russell, Chris Kent, Heidi Havik, so many people have put in a ton of work to Setting up the framework for us being able to objectively identify what are the characteristics of a segment that bears vertebral subluxation, such that when we do a specific adjustment directed at that vertebral subluxation, the outcome indicators resolve, indicating resolution of the vertebral subluxation. I want to make a distinction there. We are correct, we are delivering an adjustment. There's a fine point whether we are correcting the subluxation per se is a different story. We are delivering an adjustment and we are seeing outcome indicators that are changed because you and I both know, do we correct the subluxation? No, really. We deliver a force and then the body corrects the Mm -hmm. subluxation. So we need to tweak those words a little bit and talk about rather than, and I do it too. I do it. This is a, a, Thought process that is always evolving, I'm always learning um and if I could be wrong, um we'll get back to that too well <laughs> she could paper, be wrong i I absolutely not but know. she could be so you want to know one of the most intimidating things i've I've ever um done, yeah or not, I was intimidated by. And uh, mind you, Chris Kent is such a wonderful human. He and I have just sat there and shot the shit for uh, the longest time. He's such a nice human. He's also one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And my understanding of subluxation is based on things that he has explored and written over the course of the past couple of decades. So my paper on research in chiropractic um, theory and subluxation theory is currently being red pen edited by Chris Kent.
2: That uh, sounds scary.
1: I hope I didn't fuck it up. We'll find <laughs> out. We'll see. you just one no person to correct whatever just... I have angled. It's
0: him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so is that what the three and a half years was around? Is like changing. Like first, we have to address the difference between spinal manipulation and subluxation.
1: That was part of it. Yes. Um, when we did the original search, I knew in order to get the biggest data set, we were going to have to include spinal manipulation, spinal manipulation, which may or may not be addressing vertebral subluxation by purpose or by accident. <laughs> because that's, you know, if they're hitting t five, maybe it's subluxated. Maybe it's not. Right. They didn't. So you don't know. So some of those could be, I'm gonna go back to the parlance I just said we shouldn't use, correcting vertebral subluxation. Mm-hmm. And some are not, which actually, interestingly enough, becomes a research methods question because that means vertebral subluxation in their system is actually a confounding variable, which frankly is hilarious. Uh, don't I'll worry. insert
0: laugh here, like ha ha ha, confounding yeah. variables.
1: <laughs> yeah, this I'm gonna be talking about this in the paper. The uh, uh, Tie that up. I'm sorry, I go off in the left field sometimes. The reason the paper took three and a half years is yes, getting clear on how do I conceptualize the distinction between spinal manipulation and subluxation at a practical level. How do I express that? And how can I look at um, address the literature with that set of glasses on? in terms of what are the strengths, limitations, and future directions for any of the pieces in either strict chiropractic literature or spinal manipulation. Where are some of the ones that are more useful than others? Um, And where are some of the conclusions that are a little bit off because they've not been addressing the underlying variable that they, that they presupposed is there, but that's a different story. So that getting clear on that distinction and being able to frame what I did in those gla- mm-hmm. and using those glasses was really challenging. Um, the other challenging part was the keyword search included uh, 12 keywords, uh, ended up with 10 data sets. That is literally 10 papers onto itself. 10 papers, tie those together with common elements and strings that make them a cohesive unit rather than separate individual keyword searches. Frame those in the spinal manipulation versus chiropractic adjustment um, framework. Um, Discuss those in terms of the three-legged stool, nervous system, endocrine system, and the immune system. In the context, here's where things get wacky. In the context of from other fields, biologically plausible mechanisms that are already outlined in other fields. In such detail as uh, uh, neuronal tracing in MRI, these these pathways exist. They're outlined, neuroanatomy, functional anatomy, pathways by which somatosensory input as generated with the actually either spinal manipulation or chiropractic adjustment can elicit non- neuromusculoskeletal responses. So the pathways by which we can adjust the spine and the brain will integrate that information and create a response that is not just reflexive neuromusculoskeletal, but extends to other areas of the body. So the mechanisms by which the body does that forms a cohesive, coordinated, adaptive response not just muscles, but also the whole body. Those have been outlined in other fields, Mm -hmm. just not in our fields. So bringing that into the conversation about what does our chiropractic research say and not say? And then, so you see where this is getting kind of apeshit?
0: Oh, I have like six sticky notes full of questions already. (laughs) Okay, so like if you end up differentiating between subluxation like a chiropractic adjustment of subluxation and spinal manipulation. I would imagine that that would uh, be able to discredit a lot of negative or like just a lot of just different research that talked about like "Mm, spinal manipulate, like blah, blah, blah. Right. Like I would imagine that like in 2023. Yeah. Do you see the grin? I do. I do. Is it a good grin?
1: Oh yeah. 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 So I took my research brain and some of their um some of their literature that says, no, spinal manipulation does not affect XYZ, pick it apart mm-hmm. by their research methods um and disqualify it according Which... to research methods criteria. Um, oh my gosh.
0: I can see how this took three and a half I mean, I can't believe it only took three and a half years because It's like oh okay we want to start here oh we need oh well first we need to do this ah we should actually we need to discredit this and okay can we talk about the word subluxation being co-used because i feel like that so anytime that i've like had somebody with a medical degree in my clinic you know i almost Mm -hmm. feel like i have to be like okay Let's just not use subluxation because I know that's what you're going to like, mm-hmm. like, because in the medical field, they view subluxation basically as a borderline dislocation. Correct. Right. Right. So they like had- who started using it first and like, is that just going to get in our way? Like, do, mm-hmm. do we also yeah. have to prove like, no, we're sticking with subluxation and you're using it wrong?
1: No, we just need to differentiate. Uh, theirs is generalized subluxation. And ours is vertebral subluxation as measured by the three magical words, as measured by tonal tests, reflex tests, adaptive tests. So that's what uh, a lot of our research scientists have in chiropractic have been doing is outlining the, not just one test or another, but the array of tests that helps us to indicate that vertebral subluxation per level is present and that those findings diminish or abolish after that chiropractic adjustment. So that's how we can differentiate vertebral subluxation. And we have to use the words vertebral subluxation. And that's gonna be a little bit different because when agreed, when uh, when a medical doctor says subluxation, what do you mean you subluxated like the arm subluxates? No, it's a very specific uh, functional entity called vertebral subluxation which is less than a dislocation, but with other properties. So it is a misalignment or movement abnormality of one or more vertebral segments with respect to one another that creates irritation to the nervous system associated with it, which may actually present as diminishing or facilitation of the uh, information carried along those nerves and integrated by the brain. And whatever is sent to the brain from that segment naturally will be integrated into uh, into a response. Input drives output. You get the wrong input, you're gonna get the wrong output. So that's how we differentiate vertebral subluxation. We say, I agree with you. Subluxation in your definition is a misalignment of uh, a, a joint, which is less than a luxa- uh, luxation proper. But vertebral subluxation, as defined by the chiropractic profession, has some additional properties that we've all agreed upon. That's important that we have all agreed
0: upon. Have we? Oh, no. No. Okay. We so, got- first of all, you said tone, like the properties you said are tonal response. Reflex yep. response. What was the third one?
1: Well, it's out uh, where well, we've got the mopey model. Um, and then we've got the uh, there's a tonal model so we can look at. Um, so, for, for example, if you look at different technical approaches to assessing vertebral subluxation and its effects, they can be across the board. You know, we've got everything between uh, network spinal and cvp. Hopefully we are all looking for vertebral subluxation using different methods. That should be our common denominator. Um, I've used tests from Network Spinal. I love some of their tonal tests. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, for example, um, uh, the, the feet a resistance coming together or pushing apart tells us there's a tonal problem in the whole body. And then you go suss out, where's that coming from? Um, I use tests like that with my patients uh, in practice every day. And then you've got the segmental test, you've got the paraspinal thermography, which is going to tell you, is there uh, an adaptive problem in the entire uh, set of spinal nerves that may indicate, you know, uh, sublux. Uh, surface EMG, again, those could be looked at as in, as per level, but also as global. Is the body adapting properly? Heart rate variability is another test to see. Is there something hampering the body's adaptability as measured by heart rate variability? And of course, you've got the structure tests. You've got x-ray, fluoroscopy, CVCT. All of those can show the physical component Of vertebral subluxation. But as you and I both know, you can't measure subluxation on an x-ray. I was just gonna say,
0: like, can you find subluxation on an x-ray?
1: No, No, it's one indication, but there are multiple indications that comprise an actual vertebral subluxation. It's not one or the other, it's the context. Just like it's not the nervous system or the immune system or the endocrine system. It's the neuroendocrine immune system. It's all of them together. That's something that we silly chiropractors need to um, think more about, uh, think bigger picture. How do things connect rather than looking at the individual parts? We need to think about the sum of the parts. The vertebral subluxation as a clinical entity is a question of the sum of the parts. Incidentally, um, Heidi Havoc on a podcast recently, mentioned, I'm so curious to see this come out. She has actually looked at some neurophysiology experiments to compare directly spinal manipulation versus chiropractic adjustment. So curious, right? I'm so curious to see how she did that and what she came out with. When that comes out, we have to remember that there are going to be limitations to the interpretation of whatever um, study she has created, such as that may differ per level. That may differ: at C1 versus T5 versus L5 sacrum. So, uh, you know, if she chose T4, T5, for instance, those conclusions may or may not apply to C1. Makes sense?
0: Yes, I think so. Okay. If she chose so, T4, T5 in the setup or in the study.
1: I don't know what she chose. I'm right. just saying. For, she,
0: yeah. For example, she had
1: to eliminate variables and get a clean experimental system. I can't oh see yes, get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so what she will come out with will be a starting place, maybe an experimental system to assess what is the impact of a spinal manipulation at T5 versus a chiropractic adjustment designed to address vertebral subluxation at T5. What are the outcomes? And the outcomes, uh, it's a, actually a very interesting question. <laughs> if you don't see it, it doesn't happen, right? Uh, Sort of like, oh, I don't know, the COVID shots or something like that. Um, if you don't measure it, it doesn't happen, right? Oh, did I just have to bring that in? Yes, I did. Um, just because it isn't measured doesn't mean it isn't happening. And we can look for indications that there are bigger processes being impacted by the chiropractic adjustment that are not a complete picture. So, for example, some. Brilliant upper cervical folks. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna mispronounce her name. I'm so sorry. Uh Julie Scalo or Shallow. Um I, do you know how to pronounce her name? Oh nope so I did that wrong. Maybe it's Julie Hunt. Now I'm completely embarrassing myself. I met her at an LCW uh event about a year and a half ago. She's brilliant, absolutely like very cool person. So she and her group did a study on secretory IgA in individuals who were specifically upper cervically adjusted.
0: Okay, hold on. It takes my brain a second. Secretory <laughs> uh,
1: antibodies. Oh, okay. In category
0: IgA uh, from category from uh, individual.
1: Yes, upper cervical. They found a uh, a short term change. In antibodies that were released from individuals who were adjusted for subluxation.
0: Have you seen that paper? I might say they boosted the IgA from an adjustment. Uh, Not allowed to say that. Not allowed to say it.
2: Well, here's the thing.
1: Do you know you boosted or um what is what is boost
0: really? Is boost functional? It's like if, a little you know? boost. See, this is the hard part is we've got the researchers and then we've got the salespeople who were like, it's a boost. So
1: Did, uh, was the level of IgA affected immediately? Seems to have been, yes, statistically significant in a a range that would be expected to elicit uh, clinically significant results, but the results were not actually assessed just yet. So what does that say? We have to look at that carefully and say, here's what the conclusions say. Adjusting an upper cervical subluxation elicited an antibody response that was temporary. That's really all we can say. Can we say that boosts immunity? No. Come
0: there were no-, on.
1: no, we can't. Well, we could that would be overreaching the evidence and extrapolating a conclusion. And that so no one measured did the patients over time get sicker or were they better? Mm-hmm. That would be the only way we could make the conclusion that this adjustment designed to correct vertebral subluxation elicited an a clinical outcome. So we don't have that yet.
0: I can see why chiropractors just get murdered when we start playing this game that was, I don't know who started research. Like who, who's like I was medicine start research. Who started that?
1: How how do we, how do we communicate it? How Mm -hmm. do we know what we can and can't say? And that's a matter of being very careful of not saying too much. When chiropractors were making direct claims that getting adjusted would prevent COVID-19, that was problematic Mm -hmm. because as much as they knew that in their hearts, and theoretically, I don't disagree, they did not have the depth of evidence to defend their statement to those who wanted to discredit them. That's the third level of the paper is um, I've told you about the other story arcs. This is the overriding story arc. One mistake that we made uh, a couple of years ago was not recognizing the distinction, very important distinction between evidence-based care, evidence-based medicine, and evidence-informed decision-making.
0: What is the difference?
1: Evidence-based care requires you have rct level evidence
0: oh which we don't have right like that's the kind of research like we really don't have we have a couple okay
1: we have two or three that are uh, the, the blood pressure study um, and then julie's study those were really beautifully done two studies
2: hmm.
1: we you know it would be helpful to have more but we also have a bit of a, a problem designing a lot of research studies a very simple question. But people with different subluxation patterns, can they be compared?
2: Oh, no.
1: Oh, and do we have a control group that we know has no subluxation? No. (laughs) So given the permutation of subluxations within this human vertebral column, um, and Chris Kent recently did an MRI study on this and showed this concretely, it would be extraordinarily difficult for us to conduct RCTs on a population because of the permutation problem. Mm-hmm. So, if that's the case, is evidence based, I, I hate using the word medicine, but you know where I'm going. Yes, with. yes. Evidence based care, which requires RCT, the most appropriate uh, criteria of uh, limiting your research? And in my opinion, it's not. I think we have a lot of observational studies, cohort studies, case studies, and clinical experience. Uh, which should be taken into account. And that's the distinction between evidence-based care and evidence-informed care. Evidence-based care, you have to have an RCT. If you don't have an RCT, you're wrong. You cannot defend your statement. That's how we got browbeat. Uh, Mm -hmm. People didn't recognize that we don't have the depth of evidence according to their criteria, very important differentiator, according to their criteria to make our statements.
0: I just, just so like, if I'm getting, I just picture like at a dinner party and, Mm -hmm. uh, this very smart medical doctor goes like, well, you don't have RCTs to practice EBM. And I'd be like, well, I'm not trying to practice EBM. I'm trying to practice E I C. Yeah.
1: Evidence informed. Well, he'll be like,
0: Oh snap. You just totally schooled me. He'll be like, well, then I don't accept you. Like, can we just say like, well, we don't, we don't care about evidence-based. We're doing evidence-informed.
1: Well, we do. We care about both of them. We want to make sure that we're using- I was just being evidence.
0: sassy to that doctor I when I said I, I don't, do.
1: care. Um, <laughs> I don't so care. I don't I, care. I agree with what you said. I'm going to add to it a little bit. So if someone were to say, um, huh, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, my sister, uh, Julie Haas, who was also a PhD, and she's actually a neuroscientist, uh, when I was in chiropractic school, she turned to me over uh, Thanksgiving dinner with a group of, I think it was like 12 to 15 family members, and turned to me and said, there's no research to support that chiropractic is actually valid.
2: Thanks, Julie.
1: Yeah, it was a great conversation. Everybody at the table was dead silent. And at the time, I had, I didn't have an, a, a good answer. I just sat there kind of shell-shocked. That's one of the reasons, actually, honestly, I thank her for that. After that time period, I said, do we have enough evidence? And the question that, uh, to speak to that uh, with the conversation you're having with your uh, esteemed colleague, your medical doctor over dinner, well, okay, so you're requiring that we follow evidence-based practice. But here's the thing, that's not really appropriate for us because we have more permutations than we can control for for an appropriate RCT. So. Uh, we are actually expanding our horizons to take into account observational evidence, which is very valid, absolutely. Yes, sometimes it can have some uh, problems with internal bias, I get that. But when you have enough studies that say the same thing, you got to listen to them. And so that's the distinction. Evidence-based is a limitation. Evidence-informed care is a broader reaching assessment of literature as a whole. So if I were to put that a different way, the uh, WFC when they put out their uh, very flawed um, white paper on, you can't say this because we don't have the right evidence. They were trying to write the rules. They were trying to say, according to our rules, you can't make these statements. And my answer to that is I don't agree to your rules because they're not appropriate. We need to rethink what those rules should and should not be. And your limited assessment, your limited biased assessment of seven studies that you put forth as evidence that we can't make these statements is unto itself very biased. So you violated your own premise, so to speak. And instead, we need to look at the broader literatures and ask questions like, can this be helpful? So evidence informed care, I think, is a better paradigm for reading chiropractic literature. Most importantly, because that acknowledges health freedom. That acknowledges patients' right to hear different forms of evidence. It acknowledges our right to speak different forms of evidence and speak of our own clinical experience, because the amount of clinical experience uh, amongst, let's say, roughly 50,000 chiropractors in the U.S. who see this every day, and I do, I do, the reason I feel strongly about the impact of adjustment of vertebral subluxation uh, eliciting non-neuromusculoskeletal events uh, effects is that I see it every day in practice. I have that clinical experience. I see it. No, it's not an RCT, but if we put together 50,000 chiropractors who are all seeing the same thing, that comprises evidence. Let's take a super, super like Holy fuck. Super simple example of that. Okay. You're in practice, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You ever see one of your patients sleep better after an adjustment? (laughs) Yeah. We're done. Let me explain that a little bit. 50,000 chiropractors. If we all observe that our patients sleep better after adjustments, that comprises clinical evidence, experiential clinical evidence. What does sleep do? Sleep helps to regulate hormone balance. Sleep helps to govern repair and growth, brain health. Sleep is an essential element of human health. If we are impacting a human's ability to achieve deeper or better sleep, we are impacting their overall health. Game over.
0: So then why isn't it game over? Because if you sent out an email to every chiropractor in the world and said, yes, no, one question, have Mm -hmm. you observed this? yes, mm-hmm. no, you would have, you know, 48,000 yeses and 2000 jerks b- who are lying. But <laughs> and then so like, then why isn't it done?
1: We're not adjusting people. Right. <laughs> um, uh, great question. And my answer to that is what would happen if we had 50,000 published case studies?
2: Research is a
1: language. <clears throat>
0: have you ever done the landmark forum? No oh but i've heard of it okay so one i've done a lot of shadow work so
1: okay yeah so one of the learning lessons from the landmark forum is that language is an agreement unto itself when we when i say red and you say red we both have an understanding of what red is there's actually a deeper question with that but um if you want to go into into the rabbit hole it's called q u a l i but for the sake of argument Uh, red is red is red. And we agree red is red. That's where research comes in, in terms of interfacing us with different professions. We can say chiropractic helps health, but unless we put it into a language that can be used as currency with other uh, professions, psychology, general medicine, you know, uh, pediatrics, unless we create our experiences into something that can be served out as currency that makes agreements between our profession and other professions which inter interlocks us with their definitions what is sleep for instance until we do that it's he said he said she said that is the importance of creating and publishing research in a nutshell until it's in an agreement verbal on, on paper or, you know, these, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it these days, it doesn't really exist. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Do you were EBMs set up as so, cause they're like the gold standard, right. Um, yeah. was, do you feel that that was idealistic or do you feel like that was kind of established to keep, and I don't think chiropractic is like, like you throw acupuncture you throw reiki you throw breath work you know like not to put chiropractic on nearly the same level but like do you feel like ebms were set up to guard and protect pharma no okay which is Uh, kind of uh, like uh this seems like what we should use as our standard and now as we're uh, learning more about everything
1: the i i would believe as a researcher that ebm was set up to normalize things so that doctors knew what to do according to the best evidence. Unfortunately, like so many things in this world, it's been, um, it's morphed a little bit. And EBM is not, um, sometimes it's used for the, uh, to establish, okay, now I know according to literature, this is the best thing for you. So this is what I'm gonna present to you. That's how it's supposed to be used. These days, how EBM is used is more like, oh, there's no evidence on that. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's used a, you know, a big stick or, you know, something to limit people's options. That's why the practice of evidence informed practice has started to uh, rise. And there's a pretty big um, discussion in the uh, philosophy of, of healthcare field about uh, the actual difference um, between evidence-informed practice and evidence-based practice. Um, And as it is with anything, uh, the bad guys are trying to subvert the evidence-informed practice verbiage for their own use. For example, the uh, WHO now uses evidence-informed practice. Mm. Do they really? Do they really? Do they really? Do they really? 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 No, they've taken over the verbiage. That's its own form of
0: war. If we collectively as chiropractors said the, okay, so what I'm trying to like paraphrase or like regurgitate back is like, did you say that if we say the right words of what a chiropractic adjustment is doing, to the body mm-hmm. that other professions, psychology, neuroscience, pediatrics would go, oh, that's what you're saying it does. I now can accept you because like before we were like, ah, there's pressure. It's a pinched nerve. It's like a bent hose and like all of this stuff. And like, so are you saying like, if we change what we're saying, we're doing. Clarify. Yeah. Yes. Yes refine, you know, refine, then they might, not that we care about their acceptance, but like, maybe we do. Um, they might not fight chiropractic so much.
1: Maybe they wouldn't pigeonhole us so much as someone who came to chiropractic from the outside, as someone who came to chiropractic from the allopathic paradigm, as a research scientist, I know the questions people have about chiropractic, um, when they have not, been introduced to it properly? Because those are the questions I had myself. the first time someone told me about a, a pinched nerve, my brain and my, my understanding of neurophysiology went, really? Uh, no, uh, no. And it's true, 95% of subluxations are not a pinched nerve. It does happen. But when you're explaining it, the, the bone crushes the nerve. And what happens to the nerve supply to the heart? If it's crushed, it dies. Okay, well, then everybody with subluxation would be dead. Anytime that we put forth something um, in in all best intentions to simplify or make it uh, accessible or easily understood, but we put forth something that is not completely defensible or true, we're disqualifying ourselves. Let me repeat that when we are not accurately representing vertebral subluxation and its correction of something that is biologically plausible with measurable outcomes that are consistent with biology. We are disqualifying ourselves and our entire profession. I hate to say this, but I will. We look like fools.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: It's so, so unfortunate because what we have in this profession is something so beautiful. And take into account that's coming from someone who was outside the profession, thought it was completely full of crap you know, I thought it was hooey um, and then actually came to be under care and experienced it. And I went, okay, there's something to this, but what I'm being told doesn't jive with what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? You know, and then this whole exploration over the past two decades of having a better understanding of what is vertebral subluxation, what is happening in the body when we deliver chiropractic adjustment, what does that actually mean on a practical level? So I'm coming at this not from the angle of someone who grew up with chiropractic and understands it from the inside out, but I'm coming at the question from the angle of a former critic. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So when I say we have something really beautiful with our profession, it's a little different, or at least I'd like to think it is.
0: So I i am kind of depressed right now. Um, can, but you're really excited about your paper. So can you please summarize your paper? Because right now I don't feel like we've given it enough. Um, so like if we were to say it in less than 45 minutes, what is exciting about the research you've done? Because I feel like in my brain right now, I'm just like, we're screwed. We're all screwed. I'm just going to crawl under a blanket and eat ice cream until Amy says to come out. Oh,
1: if this paper is um, and again uh, Chris Kent is proofreading it Jack Borla is proofreading it. John Chung is proofreading it i've I've put sections of it uh, on Travis Corcoran's desk so some of the most brilliant minds in our profession I am asking people to shred this from the mm-hmm. inside out that's what we need to do right um, and with each of them it's a specific uh, expectation. I don't want compliments. I want you to shred this because you mm-hmm. put this forth as strongly as possible. The statement that this paper is trying to make is that we, by with the chiropractic adjustment for vertebral subluxation, we are impacting the neuroendocrine immune super system and its outcomes with beneficial effects on adaptability as a whole in the human body, which would be expected to result in improved health outcomes across an array of what we would call
0: symptoms. That was so. Beautiful. I even understood what you said. Good job. Cool.
1: Um, so it's a. It's the purpose of the paper is to reposition us to get us out of the pigeonhole that mm-hmm. we got stuck into when someone said chiropractic boosts immunity. That was unfortunately. Uh, it was the best we could do at the time, and I get that. And when you know more, you do more. So now. Uh, What I'd like for us to think about is instead of we boost immunity, how about going back to we restore or enhance adaptability within the entire neuroendocrine immune super system as measured by blood pressure, heart rate variability, cytokine mediators, immune system mediators,
0: and sleep. We have- So specifically those five, you weren't just like, because like, listen- Right, but those are the ones that I outlined. Will you paper. say them again?
1: Uh, so, uh, blood pressure, cytokine mediators.
0: Can you? Okay, don't make fun of me. Not, What's the not... cy- What's the cytokine do again? Is that? Oh, um, I'm such an idiot! no, this is a different. Thing. No, such, such I passed boards on the first time, and then I never looked back. Yeah, that's totally cool. That's you know, um, it it everybody
1: has different knowledge and that's why we have these conversations to share this knowledge and you know to get little pieces from each other that's what communication is about so um, a cytokine is a little like little molecule that will run between one cell and the other and carry a message okay it floats through your body, blood it can go from your brain a cytokine b- can be released and go hit your thyroid your pancreas all of these things can be mediated by nerve supply They can also be mediated by hormones or cytokines.
0: Okay. I'm actually really glad that I asked that question because so like when I talk about like, you know, yes, an adjustment can through like nerve communication affect your digestion. It's the cytokines that are doing the like relaying messages from the brain down to whatever organ, essentially. When I say like, okay,
1: okay. It's both. Um, and that's part of, part of the purpose of this paper is to, when we impact the information going to the brain, we will impact the information, the, uh, the commands coming out of the brain. Yes. In fact, it really is that simple. It's a safety pin cycle. It's the normal complete cycle. And that communication can be mediated by nerves. It can be mediated by cytokines and hormones. And we have been shown to change each of those. Do we have a complete picture yet? No, we don't. Um, can we directly state we modulate the, the neuroendocrine immune super system? Mm, I don't think we want to say that anyway. Our intention is not to modulate anything. Our intention is to identify where there are obstructions or interference to the normal communication and just restore that to what the body should be doing. So we're not directing the body what to do, we're just you know, making it easy for the body to do its job uh,
0: from the inside out. Okay, so you had listed two and then I interrupted with a question. Yes,
2: right. saying-
1: um, okay, so let me uh, like- Blood pressure, go through the Blood pressure, cytokines. Blood pressure, cytokines, immune system modulators, um, uh, sleep and heart rate variability.
0: And heart rate variability is widely accepted?
1: It's such an interesting question. There are a lot of technical problems in the HRV field with respect to gathering data, processing data, and interpreting data. So I'm looking at that from the simplest perspective, and yes, we absolutely do impact heart rate variability. And we've had, we've had several papers, um, including uh, one of mine that support that contention. Do we have a firm conclusion yet? No, we have some really strong indicators for sure. HRV is a reflection of how well the brain is um, modulating on an instantaneous basis heart rhythm. So it's a reflection of adaptability in the body. Let me go a little bit further with that. Um, we know from, um, from studies of the HPA axis that um, the summary amount of stress in the body will impact how well the body uh, can handle additional stressors. If we have a whole lot of stressors, whether that's um, physical, chemical, emotional stressors, that will diminish someone's adaptability, and that's the uh, Hans Selye. We know that. Yes, this okay. is so. Think of that as uh, the James Chestnut analogy of rocks in the backpack. When we have a lot of rocks in the backpack, the HRV is low. Your ability to handle additional stressors is uh, is hampered, diminished. Right. Yes. So take rocks out of the backpack. That's. One way to uh, one reflection of taking rocks out of the backpack is HRV, as measured by standard deviation of end to end interval. For instance, goes up, so your body is adapting better uh, to the stressors it does have. That makes sense.
0: Yes, um, I'm just excited because like there are things I say in practice that I'm like, would Amy allow me to say this? Like, am I am I am I just like making? So I'm like, all right, cool. I can what keep saying <laughs> that.
1: It's, it's, um, and, um, I'm going to, um, play with that word allow a little bit. Um, and I hear you, let's all consider this a learning experience. I'm, like I said before, I'm still learning every day. You know, things that I say today, I may look back on in five years and be like, Amy, what the fuck was that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think things I said five years ago, I'm like, what the fuck was that? So it's a learning experience. We, we do what we do, learn more, do better when we know more. Fair? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, but to me, like, this won't change overnight. Okay, so let's fast forward. I don't know how long processes take. um, Two years, five years. Let's even fast forward like 20 years. Like, we have schools. Hello, I graduated from one um, that are still not on board with teaching what other schools are teaching. Like, how long is this going to take just to integrate within chiropractic? And we've got like, I think it's amazing that like you're, you know, so like, okay, so fine. I will change my Facebook ad to no longer say we boost the immune system. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> and I will say we enhance the neuroendocrine immune system. Fine. I'll do that tomorrow, but we don't have chiropractors. Right. We don't have chiropractors who are willing to go like, nah, I'm not going to change my language. So then like, how long is this going to take to integrate, to get a school to start teaching something? They weren't even teaching and they've had, well, okay, 1895 to 220 Like, this is where I just keep crawling back under the blanket. And then you're like, no, Lauren, it's okay. Come out. Are you dev- Are you depressed about the future of how this will change? How slowly also? Or no, just me. I'm just- a the thing that's easy is seldom
1: worthwhile. Mm -hmm. change that's hard change that we work for that's what's going to yield the the most satisfying outcomes so do we have to work hard at this yes uh i know sherman is working hard at this um some schools are not and that is unfortunate they're pigeonholing themselves and missing the ball uh when someone limits chiropractic to back pain and neck pain it's doing a disservice to humanity. It's doing a disservice to all of us. It is I'm all about possibility and freedom. People should have the freedom to choose whatever works for them without fear of, you know, being told, "Oh, you're wrong, it works for you. It works for you. Go for it. When entities and parties limit chiropractic to neuromuscular skeletal only in the face of evidence that we do more, they're trying to impose a limitation on what we offer to humanity. That doesn't work for me.
0: Do you think they're doing that because they got their little pinky toe into the pool of like the med world? And they're like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll maybe admit that you can help low back pain. And they're like, Yay, acceptance and validation. And so now they're afraid to be like, actually, I'm going to retract my pinky toe. Thanks for letting me into your party. Um, in. So I'm going to actually retract and go back and re-come back with a different invite and they're just too afraid to do that?
1: Maybe. I can't really speak to other people's intentions, but you just- I actually, will. <laughs> uh, you, you just, you kind of clarified something that makes me a little bit different than other people. Um, you know, d- uh, am I looking for someone's validation, someone's external validation to someone to tell me that I'm right? Um, little secret. I don't give a fuck. Oh, I,
0: yeah, I, I didn't for a
1: second from the first you know, moment I talked to you thought you did. What I think is what I think. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. That's for me to decide, not for you to decide for me. Um, and that's what I say to a lot of these people who are saying, you can't do this. Really? Because I will. <laughs> um, you know, within certain um, reasonable limits. Am I going to stay within my scope of practice of chiropractic? Yes, I do. And I'm very careful about that. I do not practice medicine. I do not overstep. Um, I refer people out for a, natu- a naturopathic help. Um, I refer people back to medical care when it is appropriate. And I practice chiropractic. Would I expand my own scope to whatever the crap I want to? No. And that's why, because I practice chiropractic. But that's a whole different story. I'm going to get very opinionated about that. So I'm just going to shut my mouth yep. on that one.
0: Yeah. So back to how does this integrate? How, how is this going to happen? We Solve all of chiropractic, by the way, in your answer. Cause I asked a really simple question. Like, Amy, how are you going to fix this? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm going to crawl back under my blanket. Yeah. <laughs> um, we need to be careful about the words we use, how we use them, how we represent what it is that we offer how we interface with research, what we can say, what we can't say. And honestly, here's where it gets super simple. It's the big picture. Do we treat XYZ, PDQ? No. So we don't need to talk about that. We locate and adjust vertebral subluxation in order to promote, enhance, or restore adaptability as a generality in the human body. And those outcomes can be measured in a variety of different ways. That's what we need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And if we think about those words, I didn't say boost. I didn't say we. We really saw. hate it. that word. You hate that word. I, I really do. Um, some of you remember I actually took some people to task for that word, but I might not have been completely graceful about that. But <laughs> just me. Are you thought, ever described as a bull in a china shop? Uh, yeah, that's a misnomer because a bullet of china shop is actually very delicate. Oh, um, really? <laughs> so you have yeah. because you've yeah. defended it. I'm more like a labrador in a room full of toys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I see where you're going with that. And it's that's one of the reasons I'm it's probably better for the profession to keep me behind closed doors. I love can, it. I love I see it so Things much. they shouldn't say because I can be a little opinionated. Um, and I'm not a, I'm not afraid at all to own when I've been wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Correct me. Show me a new truth. A new truth does not coexist with an old or inaccurate truth. It replaces mm-hmm. it. And I'm a lifelong learner. If I'm I wrong, I think I
0: understand your initial question, or and like around your um, holding just tr- the absolute integrity of the word truth. Like I now understand. Like okay this is her foundation of where that is coming from because it's like, well, yes, everybody, right? But like, you're holding on to it with such a um, veracity that I was like, I wanna say yes, but I don't think that I mean the same yes as you do. But now after speaking with you for an hour, like I get where you're, like, I get why. You don't have ego and you can't have ego in this field because you need to be willing to change yeah. quickly. We'll
1: grow and uh, explore. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, truth, freedom, and integrity are um, absolute core values for me. And um, ego has no place in any of that. You know, That's why I've been free to, uh, I actually set myself free a long time ago um, to explore whatever my nose sniffs out. You know, I you always try to have an open mind about things. Actually, there's a funny story. Uh, you know, it's not one day or the other that that thought process started to bloom actually in landmark was very helpful for that for sure funny story when the day i decided to consider becoming a chiropractor it was not what anybody would expect and it um i was i was 2004 and i was sitting in the joshua tree and at a little sports bar in somerville outside of boston it was um i was actually waiting on a blind date um Super nice guy, but he wasn't willing to wait around for me to go to school and come back. So it, you know, never worked out. So I was I was sitting there at the bar waiting for my blind date, drinking a harpoon IPA and uh waiting for the game to start. That was the American League series. Uh that would have been the Red Sox and the Yankees. This is here w- It was, I think, game six. So we were all on our toes going.
0: Sounds like a great first date by the way like neither one of you really wanting to pay attention and just being like oh sorry I, what uh, What did you ask I was
1: so it was such an amazing experience to be in the bar that night because it was like vibrating with energy yeah. okay. so good because you know we hadn't taken a world series and it, this was the ACLS so but it was still the precursor because once we got to the uh I believe it was the Cardinals that year we were like okay you're done we already killed the Yankees so mm-hmm. Getting past the Yankees was the big step. And oh, so I'm many- a Twins
0: fan. So you don't have to talk to me about the problem of getting past the Yankees. But yes. Okay. So
1: keep going. This wasn't the point of your story. So I'm sitting at the bar waiting for my blind date. And I had a harpoon IPA, which loosened my brain just ever so slightly. Um, and I was writing in my journal. And I see these words appear on the paper, like downloaded from my brain. I didn't even really, you know, like, why am I not considering chiropractic as a profession. And all of a sudden my brain went, Amy, you have a premise to examine there. You have a prejudice that you didn't know you had. You need to look at that. So the ability to take one's own thought process, shred it and say, what's behind that? That's where it was not useful. Attachment to outcome, attachment to your own thought processes are not useful. And that's why I keep saying, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. This is what I know right now. And that will evolve over time.
0: Okay. So final question, how can people like support this? I mean, I would imagine it goes down to the micro level for like, because I have, uh, I have students, but I also have pre-chiropractic students who will listen. And I would say like, starts with pick your college better than geography.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I actually honestly believe there's only one place to go right now, and that's Sherman. So um, hopefully other schools will get their heads out of their asses, but there's no guarantee on that. And I, I don't know enough about the new school in Scotland or Australia. I hope those are going to do fantastic, and they will defend the sacred trust and help to rebuild chiropractic into the original potential that we had before we were um impinged upon and limited by political parties. So that's one thing, uh, deciding where to go and who to support. Super duper important. Where your money goes is what you're supporting to flourish. Mm -hmm. So if you're uh, sending money towards entities that wish to destroy the promise of chiropractic, then you're destroying chiropractic. It really is. But those
0: are hidden. They're not... I wish that you could just like say out loud, like, because like nobody that has a C in their acronym, you know, is saying like, oh, and our mission statement to take down chiropractic, like those are chiropractic organizations. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what you're saying. So like, they're not allowed about being anti this, this research and this mission.
1: Their words are, they speak for their mission. For example... If you ever hear a researcher or chiropractic school president um, utter words uh, such as there is no research that they're not for chiropractic. Got it. Some people listening to this know exactly who I'm talking about. And yes, that was the gauntlet.
0: So on the outside. Okay. So what organizations do you highly recommend sending your dollars to? Sherman, for sure. German? Oh, you said Sherman.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Sherman, uh, Jeff <laughs> and his entire team is doing wonderful things to promote real chiropractic education, to turn out real chiropractors who can help to change the world around them. And what's that saying about uh, light a candle in the, in the darkness or something like that? Um, so he's lighting up. Their, their whole team is lighting a whole lot of candles. My work. Um, thank you for asking that question. My work specifically, um, you can imagine three and a half years and I'm in full-time practice. So my means of supporting myself is as a chiropractor delivering care that is of value to my patients. And I'm taking away from my own time and practice to work on this this project uh, part-time for the past three and a half years. I have been so generously supported by the foundation for vertebral subluxation by Kent and McCoy who have enabled me to take a little bit of time away from the practice to dedicate my energy to this project, which I think at this point has um, uh, created a deliverable product. That's a joke, it has, (laughs) Uh, that, uh that their investment in uh in me will uh be fruitful and useful for our profession, so if people want to uh send money somewhere um foundation for vertebral Subluxation and supporting our kind of chiropractic research that would be one uh great place to to donate. I'm just gonna to leave it at those i f c o given So, um, and I'm sure there are plenty of other entities and I'll probably get lynched for not, you know, naming PDQ. Mm -hmm. but those are the ones that come to mind first.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. I
2: feel so much much smarter. I
0: I now know what a cytokine is. And like, I am, I'm just joking. I have way bigger takeaways. I feel, I, I do feel excited by this. Um, we should be excited. we have a yeah. lot to be
2: excited
1: about. What I'm trying to do is just reframe what to give to restore possibility to us. That's the whole purpose of this. It's not to say this person's right, this person's wrong. it's like let's shift this mm-hmm. and we put this on a platform that we can interface with others and can we grow on that and what does that hold for us as a profession in terms of possibility? So thank you for getting that.
0: Thank you, Amy. And uh, if you could send me like a monthly newsletter that says like, all right, we're no longer saying this. We're now saying it this way. That would be great. I'd appreciate it in your free time. I'll get right on that. Oh, okay. All right. she slayers. I will have the links below, um, for donating. I'm hoping that if you just go to the vertebral subluxation foundation for vertebral subluxation, there's like a donate now type of thing, right?
1: yeah i actually um, myself i've been a monthly donor to the foundation for i don't know 5 6 years so i literally put it on auto debit i just send yeah. them 25 bucks a month you know and i'm like if this ends up supporting people in their uh, in their chiropractic education for research purposes we have a couple of uh people in school for a master's of public health phd uh, research projects that are ongoing and those all take support. So right. I've just, you know, 25 bucks a month, just, you know,
0: yeah, love it.
1: It's, it's half or a third or or a quarter of an adjustment for oh, a lot of yeah. people.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. nothing.
1: And it's, it's nothing. But if we all did that, uh, with our funding for people like me to take time away from their practice, to mm-hmm. give back to the profession, because I can't do this for free. That would not be fair. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, My place is in my practice. My place is with my patients, with my people. My place is at home. I do not intend to or aspire to become a superstar in chiropractic research. Not my speed. In case you haven't picked up on that, not my speed. Um, I belong here on my couch and I don't want... For people to say, hey, Amy, can you abandon your practice and come do this for me? Because the answer is going to be no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want people to just kind of know that there are many brilliant people within our profession who together we can all make a big difference. And I just hope people will understand it's it's not okay to overwhelm me with Amy do this, Amy do this, Amy do this. So back the uh, fuck off, people. You, you know, I'm a wicked introvert. Um, and like I said, I I do my best thinking completely quiet. Um, you know, that little place on the coast of Maine where I had no interwebs, I, you know, I had my document downloaded. So I'm sitting there like, I got nothing to nothing to distract me. I got a dog here. I got a dog here. I got an ocean breeze. All right, brain, do your thing. Love it. That's where you want me.
0: Yep. I love that. Thank you again so much for your time. I'll have the links below. I know that you're not doing any more podcasts after this. So like really, really appreciate it. Uh, She's there. By the way,
1: thank you for waiting so patiently. Um, You know, you know what's been going on behind the Mm -hmm. scenes. Thank you for your help with that. And yes, this is the only podcast uh, I will be doing on this subject for the foreseeable future. So this is it. I have a Facebook Live I'm going to be doing with uh, Dr. Brooke Mills, but that's on concussion awareness. Um, yeah, that's a whole different story. Uh, so that's the only other piece that people are going to be able to access. Um, but aside from that, I'm going to be kind of behind the scenes where
0: I belong. So yeah. oh, you
2: say Thanks so. for waiting for this. Yeah.
0: All right, She Slayers. Until next week. Bye.